you're exactly where you need to be. And you're listening to ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski. Today's guest on ADD Comedy is Miles Stroth. Miles is a cornerstone in the world of improvisation, having worked and studied under Del Close and Sharna Halpern at Improv Olympic. That's what we called it when we were in Chicago. Now it's known as I.O., thanks to the Olympic Committee. <clears throat> he was a cast member of the legendary improv troupe known as The Family, whose members include Adam McKay, Matt Besser, and Neil Flynn. He's appeared in Comedy Central's Crossballs and Reno 911. Miles is the driving force behind L.A.'s Pack Theater. This was a great chat, and there's a bonus little piece of a poem at the end. Stay tuned. I was recording, um, do you know Jeff Davis? So we're starting. Do you know Jeff Davis? Not by name. I bet you know, by, by, but you know him by look. Um, he was here, and we had a fucking great conversation, and something happened with the mic. I'm like, God damn it. But we kept it. You have it right where you have somebody else do that stuff for you. Well, I'm just inept. So I, I, I lucked out where someone said, I know someone who can do this for you. And right. I'm like, good. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd just be up there with my phone going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's what, um, isn't that what, uh, to a certain extent, that's what my tea's ready. Um, uh, that's what Jimmy Crane does. With his phone. Although he might have gotten... you Didn't he just do one of your shows? He just did your show. Actually, right? we hosted his podcast. You hosted his podcast. Is he? Does he have a different mic now? Because he had a mic. He, had a, he has a different... He, he just bought a thing that looked like uh, that he was trying that night as a backup. Uh, which looked like a nice new... And even the people doing my stuff were like, that's a nice thing you have right uh-huh. there. Uh, I don't really know about that stuff, but... Yeah, he, he called he, me, and he didn't call me because nobody calls anyone. <coughs> what was it? This? Because he was like, I want to do it. Was it this thing? No. Great. He had a big, there's a square box with a crossing mic. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No. That idea of uh, having somebody else fucking do your stuff for you is great. Why did you want to do, why did you want to do a podcast? And by the way, I had a fucking great time. That was a ball. I loved it. I loved it. I love how many people you get to watch that stuff. Well, that was actually, the houses can vary. That was a decent house that night. We had uh-huh. probably 30 people there, which was nice for a podcast. And stuff. Right? Right. It was really nice. It was really, really, and it was fun to do, and then to do a show after that. Did So, oh, but you did a show with Jimmy, too. No. Now, I did Jimmy's podcast. But he has a show, doesn't he? No, he doesn't do a show necessarily, I think, because... I've only listened to a few of his podcasts, uh, and what he does, he talks for a long, we talk for a long time, and then he did, you do like a scene. That's it. And then he talks about the scene. Right. That's what we did. Yeah. We did that too, up there. There's so many of us doing this now. Yeah. What do you think the difference is between what we started doing and this now? Like the like State of the Union. <clears throat> oh, improv you mean? Yeah. Oh. And not just, <clears throat> not just it's a, it's a, I'm painting with a really big brush here. So it's not just improv. It's also... Because there's shit happening that nobody would even... Have, has, have, would have figured would have happened because it wasn't around back then. But the conversation that we're having, the art form that we're having, it's deeper than what Dell even thought it could even be, I think. Well, who knows what he imagined. I, I think he imagined it could be much more than he got to see. Uh, but it's such a different time. And for, like for me, I feel like I'm like for me personally, I got I was like the tail end of the you, you try and do good work and you hope for a break. Right. I was at the tail end of that and the beginning of you make your own break, which is you put your own shit out there. You make your own break. So I got caught right at the tail end of that uh, and made some you know terrible choices as far as career. Um, but now it's there's so many people like how much shit is on the Internet? I mean, just anyone can put up anything, and right. a lot of it's good. Um, it's a completely different time in that sense, as far as improv goes, it, back you know, even more so with you. When I started, there was almost no opportunity. There were two places in the world where you could try and do it. Two places in the world. And they were, and they were a couple miles apart. I know. Isn't that crazy? There were two places in the world. Yeah. And when you tell that to people right now, they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, there were two places in the world. Right. 
to do what we would call long form. Well, I'm, I'm, let's take a minute now because sometimes I say there are two places in the world because I've said there are two places in the world and I really have to take a moment to go because whenever I say that, I think, when I have an opportunity to think about that, I'm going to see if that's true. Is that true? I think it's true. I think Just it's true. Because I think the route you might go down, well, but there are other people doing stuff. Right. Right, in other parts of the country. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not what gave birth to all of this. Right. That's not what were those places? Because those are the places that I go, well, do I, do I count that place? Yeah, really, I mean, to me, uh, I, I don't even know their, their names well. Uh, like Dudley Riggs in I, Minnesota. Right, I, I, I know the name. I, right. I don't know him. Uh, <clears throat> it's funny because I was having a conversation with some of the family guys a long time ago, basically because we were starting to meet all the old school people, like the people who were contemporaries of Dell's, and they were saying stuff like, yeah, we used to do this stuff. And I'm like, no, you didn't. You did something, but you weren't doing this. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure you you know, you know played around or you, you pretended, but you know, it wasn't like an organized, disciplined, long-form thing. It was right. just like, I'm sure you did some interesting shit, but they were, they were kind of like, well, we, we already did this. And I'm like, really? Where's your following? Where's your school? Uh, what does that mean? Because I, I, I agree with you, and I'm, I, I'm just kind of picking at it. Where you go, where's your following? Where's your school? Wh- what do you mean when you say that? Because again, I, I don't know that anybody ever thought about having their own their own school. And I think Sharna did it for Dell. Yeah, Sharna did it for Dell. But Dell, the way I see it, and again, this is just my perception of the world as I move through it. Uh-huh. Uh, That's a school, everybody. <laughs> yep. Uh, Dell was the guy who had the idea that long-form improvisation could exist on its own on stage as an art form and be worthy in and of itself without having to be just used to produce sketch right. or ideas for other things. Uh, to me, he had that idea. Uh, other people, I think, were, you know, hey, the improv games and the improv, you know, the improv for acting and all that stuff. Uh, and that's all great, but that's not the same as saying, no, this in and of itself and we're gonna, I'm going to keep pushing it until I figure out a way, you know, to do it. And that becomes, you know, with Sharna, that becomes the Improv Olympic. Uh, now I owe Chicago. Uh, that becomes, to me, because of Dell and that, that becomes the annoyance. Right. Uh, right. That, you know, that's what gives birth to, to me, to mod, what I would call modern long-form improvisation. Right. Uh, I'm sure there are other, you know, there's certainly been short form and theater sports that's been going on forever right uh and not to not to diss that at all I'm like that's just not the same uh and the people who, you know we used to do stuff on stage for like an hour and a half yeah Del told me about some of that stuff it's like Del told me about a show that he ended by reciting a poem in German about a chicken that was like a one was like a bad German poem that he just recited until the audience left <laughs> And I was like, all right, that's interesting. I don't think it's a great move. Right. Uh, but that's an interesting show you put up there. And it was also, during those times, <clears throat> the audience was also looking at that going, you know, um, I dig it, man. I dig it. There was a lot of dig it. You said something that I thought it was really cool, and it's like, push it. You said push it. Like, you were saying that Dell Del said, and then push it. So we have this idea, and then we push that idea. And what I loved about the classes that I was taking with Dell was, that fucker pushed it. And, and he pushed and it. he didn't point. know where he was going. No, I know! It, yeah, he just like, because to me, I always thought, like, Dell had this idea that he couldn't make work, right? The idea that this was supposed to exist on its own, the artistic process on stage. Uh, and he got together with Sharna, and basically... They put this the Herald together, right? Uh, if I understand that correctly, or, or, or was the Herald put together? Because the Herald, to me, is kind of like a Franken piece, right? It's, it's a mix of games. It's an opening, which is a game, right? And then three scenes across time, which is Time Dash, which is a game. And it's, it's split up by two games, right? That's the strict form of a Herald. But you put it all together, and it winds up being more than just the individual games, but at the same time, I always thought, it's just a half-hour game. I mean, it's got rules. You follow the rules, and you wind up doing a Herald. Uh, to me, lose Adele, I think I think Dell's idea, which he I think he was moving more toward at the end, was because he wasn't working on Herald. He wasn't trying to make Herald better. He was trying to do something else. Uh, every time he worked with a group, he was trying to come up with a new form. He was trying to new ways of expressing yourself on stage that weren't so structured. Right. Right. Uh, 
he always wanted to be to be more theatrical if you could on stage um you know that fast what do you mean that but, fast well to be if it's not polished if it's not written you have to like if you want to do like a a, a more theatrical piece uh-huh. uh you have to have disciplines developed it's like I, I think about like the, the thing I'm sure you've seen online where Dell invokes himself, right? Dell invokes himself in front of a class. I don't know that I've seen that. Oh, if you haven't seen that, you I gotta have see that. to see I gotta that. See it. Yeah, I gotta see it. Uh, it's is it like it's, the invocation or is it's just invocation? It's the invocation. Except he's standing there uh-huh. in front of a class, invoking himself, mm-hmm. and it's just beautiful and sad because uh, in the end, basically saying how you know of himself. You are not who I, who I expected you to be. At the same time, you, you are more than you expected you to be. And at the same, like, in, in sort of describing, I believe, his, what he gave to improvisation is like, this is not for you. You are only the messenger. Uh, it, was, it was sad, like, beautiful and sad, uh, because he never got to do it to the extent that players got to do it. Right. Uh, he never saw a, a successful two-person long-form show. No. Uh, he never saw so much of what w- was done since his passing. Uh, and I remember once, very flatteringly, back when he was teaching and I was all, always around the building. Uh, in Chicago? In Chicago. I was running the building. Uh, I, I would go to his class sometimes, and if he was having you know, problem, if he wasn't getting something from students he wanted... I had a pretty good ear for what he wanted, and I would listen. And go, I, th- I think I know. What I think Dell. I would raise, you know, sort of walk through and go, Dell. I think I know what you want. And I'd get on stage and I would do it, and he's like, Yes, yes, that. Uh, and then one time, very flatteringly, he said, You know, you have to understand. You know, Miles is a much better improviser than I ever was. Uh, and I was like, Wow, that's really cool. You just said that. And at the same time, I was like, Well, of course I am, just because you never, you didn't get to do it, right? I've been doing it for years, and you never got to do it because you're. You're making it exist, right? Uh, right. So that, to me, again, that was sad. It's like it's beautiful and sad. Uh, is it sad, or is it something like where I, I understand what you mean when you say it's sad? But I also look at that and I think that's the job of the midwife is to give birth to the thing, and it's not necessarily sad that the midwife doesn't get to have the baby. I don't know. Maybe that I'm, I'm, I've never used this metaphor before, but the fact that she doesn't get to have the baby. And, and she just gets to sit back and to go, I created this thing, and there's a Yiddish word called nachis, and nachis means joy. Like when you look at your kids and they walk for the first time, or they do something on their own that you never saw them do before, and you get this joy out of watching it. And I think that 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 I saw Dell get excited about shit, and Dell got excited about shit because because he didn't know what he was doing. He because he didn't know what he was doing. And you also said something that really was cool, where you said um, that that it it it's the the it's this thing. It's it's a typical saying of it's the the whole is greater than the pieces of it. Right. And I think that with Dell, he was part of the pieces of it. You know, and because he was part of the pieces of it, he was also putting it all together. And to to be in a class with Dell while he's watching in the back room, smoking pot or smoking cigarettes, whatever the fuck he's doing, and you hear him laugh, or you see him go, 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 go. You're like, fuck, man, that's why you're alive. That's why you're alive. And you do it too when you're encouraging your students too, right? And I bet that, and and if you're like me, you've created exercises that you've never done. Well, that were never taught me. That were never taught you, and you never... I have, I have exercises that I do that I've never done, where I've gone, you know what, I think that you two need... I, I, oh, I see what you mean. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So what I'm, I'm saying is, it's an exercise that you created for, for that else. moment, and then you go, you know what, this works in a, this works in a, in a, in a, in a, in a wider way, and that's what we do. And I think that's what I learned from Dell, was the idea of... Because I know with my drop-in class, it's a lot having to do with what Dell's Thursday class was at I.O. and Cross Currents, where you'd, he would come in with an idea, and he would go, Let, let's see what happens. Right. There was, there was a lot of that with Dell. Just come in with, I had a dream. It's like, okay, here's, here's class today. <laughs> Dell had a dream, and we're going to try and perform it, whatever it was. Right. But the thing was, he, he was such a uniquely interesting mind that he could because he never he told me like a few things specifically that were just like you know be be more realistic was one the first lesson I learned from Dell uh, play the top of your intelligence stuff that become like tropes right 
but the way he taught was primarily he would come in and say something interesting. And then basically tell you to play. Right. Well, here's something very interesting that I thought, because I'm an interesting person, uh, and now do that on stage somehow. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of that. But the thing is, he was the only teacher I ever had who, across time, like even when I would walk through his classes, he would inevitably say something that I was like, that's cool what he just said. That's inspiring what he just said. And for someone to you know, consistently, occasionally be able to truly inspire is unbelievable. Right. And I also got the feeling that he was unattached to... He was... Uh, I, I got the feeling that Dell was on it. I never saw him having a large social group. You know what I mean? He was a part... He was a part, not a part. He was a part from a social structure. Right. And and I felt like he was not... In, in a way, he was not part of the world. In a way, he was hovering above the world. In a way, he was outside the world looking at the world. In a way, he was outside the world looking at the world, looking at himself in that world, looking at us in that world. You and, lost me somewhere. Well, 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 what I'm saying is this. <laughs> well, you know, I... I get it. Mean, I'm thinking, like, Dell didn't have, like... Dell never showed up at the theater with a group of his friends. No, and it's never like, hey, you know, I'd, I'd love to go out with you later, but I'm going to meet Sid. I, I got plans, her. yeah. <laughs> I got plans. I got plans. Yeah, Dell's got plans. I got a dodgeball game tonight down at the Y with my friends. <laughs> I told somebody I'd help him move or drive him to be in the cab with him to the airport. But I never saw him, I, because of that, because of what you're saying, where, where I, I think that he was of the mind of thinking about the mind, you know? Uh, and I, uh, that's what I loved about him. I also loved the, the fact that, and I mentioned this in the podcast before, what was great about him is you mention a book and he knows the author. He knew the book. I remember that guy. I, I have a mother like that. Uh, and I remember when Dell was in the hospital in his final week or so, I went to visit him and we were talking about poetry because my mother instilled a love of poetry in me. Uh, well, and, you got the Jabberwocky that we heard. Oh, yeah. I, I, she, she used to pay me. To memorize poems when I was a kid, she'd give me like a buck to memorize a poem or something. So I'd, I'd go memorize a poem uh-huh. for a buck, you know. And it's funny because a short one, and and eventually, she, you know, she like, I'll give you these. These are all paragraphs, basically. I'd find a lot of you know, you know, E. E. Cummings or some short poems, like add four lines. It's great. Uh, but then I got more money for longer poems, right? So you had to put more work in, but whatever. But I, I talking to Dell, and I was, I was, there was a poem that I, that I hadn't memorized. And I kept thinking of the line that I loved that my mother had told me. And I didn't know the poem because uh, it had been so long since I talked to my mom about it. And I just told him, it was like, a line that was just so great was, uh, and the dong came up like thunder. And immediately, he's like, by the old Mulmine Bogota, looking eastward to the sea. And he starts reciting the goddamn poem. It's Mandalay. Uh, and I was like, I was like, wow, that's, that, you just pulled that out of fucking nowhere. Uh, to me, it was an obscure little thing. He's like, no, here, here's the poem. <sighs> wow. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And, what, but, and what, what he taught me in that is this. Stop reading books about theater. Or include books about theater in the books that aren't about theater. Include books that are, uh, that are monologues with a, a, a poem. Or... Read a book by someone obscure. Read a portion of a book. Just fucking know something. Right. And it's that play about to play the top of your intelligence. It's like how much more can I give myself to know? Right. I, I combine like that sort of thinking with something my mother told me as a child, which basically, if you were stranded on a, on a desert island, how rich would you be? It would be what's in here because that's all you have. It's like what have you what have you read? What have you learned? What would you have to tinker with for the rest of your life? Uh, so make yourself rich, basically by filling your mind with beautiful thought. And for her, it was not largely poetry. Mm-hmm. I talk I talk a lot about the idea of having a brain. I don't think that people really, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but I don't think that people really think about their brain. I don't think that people think about what. It, what the quality of their brain is other than by going oh I'm, I'm too smart I'm too stupid other than like the idea of I like the way my brain works I like the way that I put this together with that together with that together with that I like that I think people worry too much about the state of their brain actually I mean in players I'm thinking in students basically because largely it's like I'm, I see a lot of I'm not smart enough or my opinion isn't good enough uh, and that's the thing I try and because to me it's like 
it's hey if if, if you want to know more, learn more, right? If you, uh, but in in the meantime, don't be ashamed of exactly where you are because you're a human being and your opinion is just as valid as anyone else's opinion. Don't be ashamed of exactly where you are. Right, right. Because that's what makes. T- I learned that. I had a, a mentor when I was growing up. I was a terrible high school student. I graduated high school. Where did you go? Like a one six seven. I went to Oak Park River Forest High School uh-huh. in Oak Park. OPRF. Yeah. I, I uh, taught at Oak Park uh, Temple for five years. Okay. On Harlem, right over there. All right. Beautiful, beautiful temple. So I just I, want you to know. All right. Uh, so I barely graduated high school. Mostly just I, did, I didn't go to class. I, I realized coming into high school, like, wait a minute, you can just walk off campus? It's like, I'm going to do that every day. Uh, but I'd go to this deli where these, this group of, like, really smart guys. Uh, high school guys? No. Uh, got, like I'm 17 at the time, and they're in their 40s or 50s, and they're, they're college professors who like just came and hung out at this deli in the afternoon, you know. And one of them in particular, a guy by the name of Jack Lawler, who was like a PhD in, you know, German and a philosophy major, just a brilliant, brilliant fucking guy. Uh, he used to, you know, they'd tolerate me at this table, and over time, you know, more kids my age got to hang out around. This table, and we'd talk and argue, and it was wonderful. And I remember there was a a guy who came in who just said something about the discussion we were having, and he said said something like, "All all I need is like my guitar and some grass, and I'm happy." And I'm just like, "That's dumb." I'm 17, and I'm you know I'm an idiot. I'm like, "That's stupid." What what what, what the hell kind of worldview is that? You know, because of course again I'm 17. And I'm you know, like full of angst and just like, why you have to be angry at the world? We have to somehow suffer. Uh, and Jack basically said, "Don't you see how, how beautiful that is? That is, I mean, what would you give to have that, or to be able to be, you know, just a guitar and grass and you're happy, right? Uh, to be able to see the world that simply, that beautifully. And the more he talked about it, the more I was like, wow, that is just really beautiful." Uh, and his, while it while it seemed simple to me at the time, it's like no, no, no. His his uh, his observation, his opinion, his view of the world was just as valid as the most complicated seventeen year old thing I could put together, right? And actually, much more beautiful than what I would put together. Uh, the first that was reiterated for me, like the first laugh I ever got, because uh, I got thrown up on a Herald team way too quick. Uh, I felt the same way because that was back when. It was, you, they only had a few. Where was it? <laughs> we were Pop Milano's. Yeah. The basement of Pop Milano's. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I got thrown up because I could sing and Sharna loved singers. Uh, but then she had to you know, put me in one of the Herald teams. So I'm playing with guys that are just, you know, like Stack, Noah, and, and the guys that are smart and fast. Uh, and had been doing it for a while, and I'm six weeks in, and I'm just like, all right, I don't, oh. I don't know what the hell's going on. And I remember I, for the first two shows, I, did, I didn't speak. I stood in the back line, took a bow at the end of the show. Uh, third show. And how did you feel about that? Uh, not great. Okay, great. That's not great. Okay. Uh, I felt like I really should have spoken on that show. Mm-hmm. But I felt lost on stage. It, was, it seemed like everything was moving too fast. It became a blur to me. Uh, I just want to take a moment there because I think that how, how many people who get thrown up on a team or how many people are in a class and they get thrown up feel fucking exactly that way where mm-hmm. they're in the back line going, all this shit is happening too quickly. It's happening too fast. Right. But the tempo doesn't change. Later on, it's not like things are slowing down. You're just more... You've learned. <laughs> right. You've, you've learned. But keep going. So you're up there, and, and it's two weeks in, and you've got to talk more. So it's the third show. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, your first laugh, right? You know, my first laugh. That's the first thing I say in a Herald. Uh, the suggestion is Iraq. This is back, like, just this, like, early It's amazing 90s. that yeah, we remember those things. Uh, yeah. This it, is, like, the early 90s, so we weren't so... Inundated with the map of the Middle East, so we were vaguely familiar with it. You know, Iran, and Iraq, and this was just post like post Iran Contra. And these guys, of course, political, smart, they start going patterning, and I'm and immediately the blur starts. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I, I don't understand any of this shit they're saying. I'm 25, and I'm just I don't I don't get any of what they're saying, and it's it's just welling inside me like I'm gonna say something in this goddamn opening. I'm not going to go through an entire third opening without saying a fucking thing. Uh, so I'm trying to find a pause or something, and eventually there's this some split pause, and it was like giving birth. I just belt out, just like, that's the one on the left, right? 
because that's how I was thinking. Was, on the map back, it's like Iran, Iraq. They're different by one letter. They, they look like inverted versions of each other. And the audience laughs because I'm sure a lot of them were thinking, that's the one on the left, right? Uh, but to me, in looking back, I was like, that was basically me saying, I don't know nearly as much as all the rest of these guys on stage, but this is my worldview. This is this represents who I am. This is my worldview. Yeah, well, this represents who I am. Yeah, it, yes. it's, it's sort of like, you know, I, I don't want to start politics at all, but it's like if people just represent themselves, like what is your interest? What is what is good for you? Right. Uh, that's right. That's what I mean. That's your interest. That's your worldview. Yeah, that's, and, and to but me, it's also your artistic, it's your, your artistic voice as well. Well, no, to me, well, to, to me, that wasn't so much an artistic moment as it was just like, look, I don't know this shit. I'm one of those people who thinks that's the one on the left, right? But the fact is, the audience was filled with people who also thought that's the one on the left, right? So that's sort of, oh, wow. So we're all more similar, even though we have different ranges in knowledge. Uh, it's like my not knowing something is as legitimate as you knowing something. And that's what I mean when I said, well, I didn't mean to say that your world knowledge is your voice. I'm just saying that the way that you look at those things is that voice. That is your, that is uniquely you. And when somebody is up on stage, I think that you gave yourself permission to, to just say what it is that you're feeling in that moment. I gave myself permission in that moment to be me. Yes. To say whatever occurred to me. Uh, and it's funny because Noah Gregoropoulos drove that point home for me as far as, because for, for weeks, what he would do to me in freeze tag was criminal. Uh, I'd get out to do freeze tag because I could come up with a line for a position or something. But every time I got on stage, he would immediately freeze. And he'd come out, and he'd get a position, and start to seem like, well, if it isn't the Secretary of State under Herbert Hoover. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, I don't know who that is, what they look like, what they sound like. I don't know how to play them. And I would just freeze, and he would just torture me. He would just walk around me, torturing me. And he did that for weeks to the point where, you know, one night I just heard him coming, freeze. And I'm like, God damn it, this fucking guy, he's going to make me some political guy I don't know again. Uh, and sure enough, he comes, well, if it isn't the Secretary of, of Labor under Eisenhower. And, and I really go, yeah, you want a beer? Because whoever that guy is, right now, he sounds like me and he's having a fucking beer. So fuck you. <laughs> and then I just played the scene as me. I guess and for whoever this guy is, now he's me. And, and that, again, goes back to you giving you permission to be you in that moment. Right. You know, yeah. fuck. Uh, uh, how do you and no no it's a really good teacher how do you, how do you get someone to just be themselves it, in, and for me I yell at them and go I yell at them and I say what are you feeling what the fuck are you feeling right now what are you feeling say what you're feeling even if it's I'm really confused or I have no fucking idea what's right. going on like fucking say that what's the first thing that occurs to you that, right that's what you get that's something I'm a couple of things I like to say in class just try, try, try and get people to basically basically relax and be aware of what occurs to them. Because I think, I think it's in the trying where students initially fuck up. Uh, a couple things that to me are just true. Like one, your brain is never off. Constantly going, you go to sleep, you dream, try not to think, your brain still thinks about something. That's why people have to meditate to literally try and drown out, drown out what otherwise is the noise of their thinking. Uh, so your brain is never off, which to me is Great, because that means, one, there's no such thing as, like, block. There's no such thing as, like, not having something. There's only rejecting what your brain is offering. God, you. that's, yes, absolutely. That's great. Uh, so since, since that's true, uh, then you learn to accept what is your brain offering. That's you, right? If, if your brain's, if someone does something and, and your first reaction is this and you don't do it, you don't learn anything, right? If you start thinking... Then you, all you learn is you shouldn't have been thinking in that moment. Right. People, what people are trying to do is they hear something and they think something, but then they think, no, I, got, I have to come up with something clever, and then they wind up fucking it up. And there's like, and, and more times than often, I'm like, what was your first thought? I'm like, well, I thought this. I'm like, that's exactly what I would have done, because that's the, what occurred to me as well, because it's common sense. Uh, no one is faster than they are right now. Wait, hold on. No one is faster than they are right now. No one is faster or more clever than they are right now. What does that mean? Whatever your brain gives you first is what you get. Got it. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you start trying to be better than you, right, right, that's when, because if, if you think about it, that's why an old lesson, and I think it was one of Dell's lessons, uh, that in, in this context I believe is wrong, which is A to C. Yes. Uh, 
If I'm in a scene and you do something and I have an idea and I say no and I have a second idea and I say no and I go with my third idea, it's like how in that moment am I? Well, I just want to back up because I, I want to do that just to the explanation A to C. So uh, it's A, the choices, the first thing you think of is A, then Dell is suggesting, okay, now go to the next thought and then go to the next thought and say that thought. So you go at A, that's your first thought, B is your second thought, C is your third thought, go to that thought, that way it becomes perceptively or what what's per, supposedly a fresher thought or a more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, um, it's broken apart. And so you're not hitting it as hard over the head. Well, I, I think it's kind of designed to, to maybe correct or change predictability. Yes. Uh, but to me, I, I, I don't view performing as that. When I'm on stage, the first thing I want to do is the most obvious thing, right? Uh, if, 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 you, if the suggestion is beach, first thing I'm doing is on a goddamn beach, right? Uh, Almost every time. Because to me, it's like, all right, I'll just stand on the beach. I can do a million different scenes on a beach. Right. Right? But if, if you yell beach in the audience and I say, here's a scene on a beach, you're like, okay, yeah, beach. That's definitely beach. So now you're on board. Now that you're on board, now I can take you wherever the fuck I want to go. Whereas if you say beach and I go beach, hmm, that makes me think of a beach, but that makes me think of Cape Canaveral, which makes me think of the, of the moon landing. So I'm going to do a scene about some conspiracy nut who thinks the moon landing didn't happen. And, and you're going to see that first. And what the fuck does that have to do with beach? What I've done is I've left the audience behind. Right. I didn't take them on the journey that was in my head. And immediately you're forcing them to think about how you got to that place. And the moment that they're thinking how you got to that place, they're no longer listening and paying attention right. to what the fuck is going on on stage. Right. That's why to me, it's, the fir- it's always the first thing. Uh-huh. Uh, and to me, that's what you get. When you try and be better than your first thing, mm-hmm. you don't learn anything. Because to me, if I say my first thing and it doesn't work, I learn that my f- initial reaction to that was wrong or I need to improve it. Right. Uh, so, I, that, mm. so then I, I can go work on that. But if I think of something, think of something else, and then think of something else, then all I learn is, one, I learned that I should have been thinking, and two, if I want to analyze it, now I have to analyze my thinking. Exactly. You have to analyze that first thought, analyze the second thought, analyze the third thought, and then go with the third thought. Right. And while you're doing that, I'm with you going, where the fuck is Miles? Right. It's like the training is, we're, uh, to me, we're training our initial reaction. Right? We're training our first reaction. The acceptance, training ourselves to accept that first reaction. Yes. And not to judge it, because while you're going through A, B, and C, you're also, your ego is also saying, is that the right thing to do? Is that the good thing to do? Is that the new thing to do? Is that the clever thing to do? Is that you know, the fresh thing to do? Yeah. But to me, it's like, I, I do the first thing that occurs to me. Because it's always going to change. Uh, I've rarely, I mean, very rarely, in the almost 30 years I've been doing this, encountered moments where I'm like, this is exactly the same as something else I did. Right? Uh, that's been extremely... Rare, just because, but it does happen. Oh, it does happen. It does happen because we've been doing we've been doing this for so long. But I mean, no. But I'm saying it's a, it's so ex- extremely rare that, that to me it's and our minds will if because we're sort of trained mm. to I don't want to do the same thing, right? So sometimes your mind your mind will just offer you something else. Uh, I just basically you have to get things out of your head in my mind. I was doing a show with Heather and Campbell, uh, and the suggestion was Rumpelstiltskin, right? Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. I just, I, I just pooched my story. Uh, <laughs> the suggestion was pumpernickel. Got it. Right? And my mind, my first thought was Rumpelstiltskin. Right? And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Uh, and so I, I ignore it. And we do our first scene. And the scene ends and my mind goes Rumpelstiltskin. My mind just keeps saying Rumpelstiltskin. And I was like, no, I'm not, fuck that. I'm another scene, a third scene, a fourth scene. And by the fifth scene, my mind's going, Rumpelstiltskin. Uh, and I'm like, all right, I got to get this out of my fucking head. So she starts the scene, like, w- w- welcome to the, the, the UN. And I'm like, I'm Rumpelstiltskin. Uh, and the audience laughs. And it wasn't like, it was, it was like clever or funny. They laughed at Rumpelstiltskin. And I could tell they laughed at Rumpelstiltskin because of Pumpernickel. Pumpernickel, <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin. They're just words that vaguely sound al- alike. But they, I knew that was the laugh, and that's why my brain probably said Pumpernickel Rumpelstiltskin. Uh, Pumpernickel. But the thing is, once I did it, 
then it wasn't there anymore. No, right? Because otherwise it's going to keep being there. Right. And and if you don't go with your first reaction and you try and think your way to something better, the next time you're in that situation, your mind's going to offer you the exact same fucking thing. Well, what happens, I, I've, I realize this when I'm asking students, like, what are you feeling right now? And they're, or, or they, I'm watching them doing a scene or I watch them come up, with a, come up with a revelation, transformation, a turn of some kind, and then they don't do it. I'm watching them choke on what it is that their system wants them to say. So fucking just say it and get it the fuck out and then just be surprised at being surprised at what the fuck the reaction is going to be. Or what, because once you get it out, it doesn't disappear. Now you're, now it, now it comedically metastasizes into something else, you know? Right. Well, and, and it helps them improve. Uh, I, yeah, again, I, I can't say how many times I've just watched a student and it's funny because I think we were both probably, you know, good enough to say that we, we listen well on stage, right? But when you're teaching, you listen because you're not distracted at any level. You hear even more, and you can watch a student go. Not only do I know what you're thinking and not saying, right? I know why you're not saying it, and I'm going to stop the scene and tell you all of that. And you're going to be, how did I know that? I'm like, look, look at you. Uh, this is not rocket science. I know. I mean, I, how do I know you're thinking? Because you're staring at the floor. Uh, that's don't and, do that. And you weren't doing that a moment ago. Right. A moment ago, you were looking at your partner in the <clears> face, <throat> and then suddenly you went boom, and you're like, gush, or up in the air, like gush. You're listening, and then you closed your eyes. Right. For and a that, prolonged amount of time. Oh my God, that closing of the eyes thing, where I'm going, how does that help you in any way connect with what it is you're doing? But that's exactly what was happening. And I agree with you, too. It's like you, we think, oh, we're, we're so, uh, we're, we're, we've got ESP. Because it is kind of ESP. It is extrasensory. <coughs> well, I mean, it's, it's I, I lump it all into listening, even though it's clearly visual and everything else. But it's it's listening. It's taking in whatever. It's like a deep tissue listening. Okay, uh, but l- listening isn't just hearing. I used to always hear students like when I say we have to learn to listen better. I know what that sounds like. It's like, look, I have ears. I can hear. Fuck you, right? Uh, but listening is a skill. It's not just. Did I hear you? It's like, did I hear what was behind what you said? Did I hear how you said it? Uh, I, you can hear the whole scene. You can hear piece options in an opening line. Uh, mm-hmm. So listening is a skill. It's not just a thing we do. It's also something that, I, for me, I would watch somebody like Pasquese listen. I would watch him listen and I would go, he's listening differently than I listen. And to say, I like the way that he listens, and I like the way that he what he gleans from the offers that his his, his partners are giving him. So he taught me how to listen on a deeper level. Other people did as well. Um, but you're going somewhere with that. Oh no, I was I, yeah. I don't think I was going anywhere. I was thinking back to uh, thinking is comforting. That's why people think on stage. It's comforting to think. Uh, it's comforting. We think we can come up with things because we use our brains. And thinking is a great place to sort of, I guess, I guess hide in a way. Uh, and it's funny because I, I was definitely a player who thought for a lot of years while I played. I thought the idea was to be able to think while maintaining an onstage presence that didn't slip. Why, you know, I would hide the thinking in playing my character. So the idea was to be in my head while also being out here at the same time. <sighs> uh, and I did that for years and I was good at it. But it also, I, I, I also attribute, I had a headache for two years at one point. I have no doubt that that was part of it. Um, and it, it wasn't until just like five, six years ago that I finally let go of thinking while I played. Because right. I used to be in a scene talking to you, and I would be thinking about the next scene, the scene after that, peace possibilities, as I was doing this scene you with you. you say peace possibilities, what do you mean? What does that mean? Like if you're in a scene and you mention a character... Uh-huh. That we're not doing right now. I'm like, all right, do, do, do I want to go to them now or do I want to put them at the end of the piece? I see, I see. A piece possibility. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay, uh, the, yeah, the piece that we're playing. Got uh, it. Okay, fine. fine. So you find yourself working uh, uh, this combo platter uh, on 3D chess. Right. I was, but I'm, all that in that moment, and I was, I was good at it, but at the same time, looking back, I was like, no, but there were, there were things I wasn't hearing. Right, because you can't hear if you're thinking. You can't hear as well. You can learn to hear pretty good, but you can't hear as well if you're thinking that much. Yogi Berra says you can't hit, you can't think and hit at the same time. You know, and I love that because it's two different. One thing is you're just you're going with the flow, 
And then you're also going, well, the trajectory, ball, right. speeding, good. It's like, no. Yeah. He's got to hit that button. Well, yeah. it's, it's, all, it's, it's trained in. And to me, what we have to accept is that we have to trust our training. One, you have to train, right? Uh, you need training because mm-hmm. you need to develop the skills. But once you have the training, you have to, not, you have to get on stage and not think about it. The training is in there. The way I think our, our mind. Tr- that's a trust thing. The trust. It's, it's trust that your own training is there. Exactly. And it took, I didn't do that until like five, six years ago. Where there was actually, I might have told you this story on my podcast, but it was, uh, I was playing with Heather, and she had, and it, it, she calls me up to say, do, do you want to go do this uh, cage match thing at the UCB? And I'm like, all right, that'll be fun. We hadn't played in a couple of years, and we, we'd never played in front of a house. Uh, I'm like, yeah, it'll be fun. Let's go do it. So I show up Wednesday night, uh, and I'm not thinking we're going to win. I'm thinking it's a cage match, like any cage match where you, whoever brings the most friends, and yeah, I've long run out of fucking, hey, come see my show, friends. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> so I show up to do it, but now this is like 1130 at night and we're not going on until midnight and I got two kids and I'm exhausted. Uh, and I tell her literally, I'm like, look, I'll play, but I'm not going to try. Right. Which to me meant, I'm just going to say whatever, whatever fucking occurs to me. I'm not going to think because that's hard. Right. That's work to think and play. I'm just going to go. And so we go and it works great and we win. Uh, and we come back the next week, and it took me a few weeks. Each week I would show up and go, look, again, I'm sorry, man, I'm just too tired. I'll play, but I'm not going to try. Uh, and after about three or four weeks, I was just like, all right, that thing I teach, where you, you just trust that it's in there, because to me, our mind knows everything. Right. Right? Our conscious is only aware of what we choose to focus on from moment to moment, but our mind has all the information in there. So if I say, you know, what's four plus four, your mind fires across everything and goes eight. Right. Right? So if you're if you have any stimuli at all, your mind fires across everything you know and goes here. Right. That's the best I got. That's me. That's, That's who me. I am. That's the best I got. Yeah, I'm not better than that. If right. I start thinking, I'm trying to be better than who I am. Right. Um, don't try to be better than who you are. No, be you. I mean, I right. mean, don't try and be faster. Don't try and be more clever. It's just sort of like when you're in a scene and we've had the experience where someone says something to you and you can twist it and throw it back and zap, bang, boom, and it worked great and I'm clever and it's great and fun. Uh, sometimes you have that. And then there are moments when you try for that, but you don't have it. They say something and you're like, let me try and twist that because that's the fun thing, right? right. But you don't have it and then it becomes a fucking garbage ball that you throw back. <laughs> And, and, and that's because you didn't have it, and all you had, all you had realized, like I don't have it. Move on, do something right. else, go on to the next thing. But and, but the realization of that, to realization, go. Oh, this is an opportunity for me to do that thing that I enjoyed doing before. Oh, mm, I ain't got it. Move on. Yeah, just move on. And that move on thing, I think, is really hard for people to go. If I just kind of work at it a little more, while just give me a second. I think that I think just give me a second. And you said something that that, that scene uh, dying, right, dying. right, dying, just juggling, choking <laughs> on truth. Um, uh, Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith said, "We're born knowing everything. It's just that the answers are given on a need to know basis. So it's the idea of well, you know what to do when you need to know what to do." You know what to do when you need to know what to do. If you're thinking, I need to do, uh, further down the line, I'm going to need to do that, you aren't present to what it is that, not only that, but it's noise that's stopping you from, from clicking on all the levels that you need to click on. Yeah, and from being aware of the present, the thing, the, uh, the, the thing that's going on in the present. An example I always give uh, is, we, like as far as thinking being noise, we've all had the experience of probably being introduced to someone and we start preparing to say our own name. Uh, Miles, what's up, Miles, yo, whatever, we're preparing to say our own name, and then we go to be introduced, and we realize in that moment that we didn't catch the other person's name. Uh, and all it took was that little bit of thinking to miss the entire point of the exchange, and literally in that moment, we were practicing saying our own fucking name. Uh, <laughs> but that's just an example of how thinking is noise. Right. And that's why when you're on stage, you start thinking, you don't hear something. No. You, I, I, it happens... It, it, it happens all the time. I remember being on stage with Carrie, and we were doing a scene, and it was at I.O., and I'm sitting there, and then suddenly I'm thinking, I'm thinking, suddenly I'm thinking. Like, we're in a scene, and I'm thinking, and I'm going, and I'm thinking, wow, I'm in, it was, it was such a, it was such a, an amateur move on my part. The thinking was, I'm, I'm in front of an audience. I'm in front of, I'm sitting on the stage. I'm in front of an audience. And suddenly you realize, I'm on stage. I'm sitting in front of an audience. And then Carrie just said something to me. What the fuck did she just say? And then in that moment, you're going, oh, my God. And oh I can't God. possibly go, I'm sorry, what would you just say? <laughs> exactly. 
So what I did was, and I remember, and Carrie has blocked it up, and I clearly remember just like with all my might, slapping her as hard as I could on the arm, like slapping her and going, boom! And what it did was, it brought, like, why would you do that? It's like, okay, now we're on the same page. <laughs> now whatever happened prior to that, I don't have to remember it because I made that happen. I don't recommend that, but but it is that moment that that's, is, that's kind of insanity. It's like I'm sorry, I screwed up. So I have, it's, it's like a distraction. It's just like I'm going to drop this bomb over here so that no one sees the mess up. But how over many here. how many times have you been in a scene where uh, who used to do this? Fred Willard used to do this. Do you were you out here when there was Acme Unplugged? Uh, I don't remember. Okay, so Acme Unplugged, you know, the Acme Theater on La Brea, La Brea. Um, he used to host this thing called Acme Unplugged. And it was just him hosting the show, and it was a bunch of really really great improvisers at that time, really kind of cool, uh, of all the people that, you know, where, where all these people went. Um, but he would enter a scene as a waiter in a restaurant and say, oh, by the way, there's a bomb underneath the table. And then walk off, and you go, what the fuck am I going to do? What the fuck? You just took everything that we did prior to that and right. you shit on it. And you flushed it, and now it's like, was there a turn in the toilet? I can't remember that. What the fuck did you just do? Oh, I my remember. God. There was a scene, I I did something, actually, you did something quasi-similar to that to me and Bacchanal all at once. But I, what I did, I remember it was in Armando, and me and Dan Bacchanal were doing a scene oh. that was more realistic. And we were like two guys that were in a, like a band, like a garage band kind of thing. We were talking about what we wanted to do with that. But we were playing it slightly more realistically, so we wanted a little bit of room, and you came on as a big character, and said, like, I'm just so-and-so from MC Records, and here's your big contra, here's your big break. Go! Uh, and, then you, and, and then you left, and Dan started to go with it, like, wow, this is, this, this is great. I'm like, no, 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 I saw that guy giving hand jobs in the alley for like five bucks. <laughs> that, that, that's not our big break. So I just basically <laughs> completely pooched you. Just like, I was just like, no, I'm not going with that move. That guy's... That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, I don't remember. remember that. I, I did it. I, I did it, and I saw you on the side, and I'm like, <laughs> oh my god! I want to hear more of that when when I do those kind of things. Going, oh, David, what did you do? What did you do? Oh, <laughs> hey, we've oh, all done shit like that. Oh it's, my it's god! It's funny because like on a thing like that, that reminds me of a a, a, a permission I give myself. And I tell players, like, here are two things that I believe are true. Never censor yourself, sometimes censor yourself. <laughs> right? I, I, I think that they're both, I can hold them both in my mind at the same time. Which to me just means like, you know, because there's sometimes I've been on the side of a show and goes, oh, there's a scene going on. I want to do this thing, but it's going to fuck this scene. Right? And most of the time it's like, don't do that thing. That's when you should censor yourself. It's like, because you're going to fuck that scene. But then sometimes when I feel so compelled, I was like, I'm sorry. I just, I have to have the freedom to do this dumb fucking thing. It's in my head right now. And so you do it, and it works or it doesn't, and it fucks that scene. I just make sure to, at, at halftime or after the show, I'm like, I'm sorry, man. And I say, look, I just had to, I had to, I had to do it. That was just something inside me that I, I, I had to have the freedom to do that. And you have to give people the freedom to do that, too. Uh, like, I, I've had plenty of scenes that I was in fucked by other people. Uh, I'd, I'd like to say I had more of them come up to me after the show and be like, I'm sorry, I didn't, I'm sorry I fucked the scene. Because uh, they tend to think, hey, what, what I did got a laugh, so it's a good thing. Oh. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah. not uh, really. Yeah. Uh, well, it's also like how, how often... How often is that happening? How often are you going in there and fucking a scene? Uh, 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 I was talking to somebody. Uh, I was talking to somebody who said they were in a show and this guy kept fucking making an entrance in every fucking scene. And nobody pulled him aside and said, don't do that. Don't make an entrance in every scene. And I think that what it comes down to is this. Can you just trust yourself to know, like, here's, an, here's one, uh, two things. One is, and this is the big one, you're going to play again. There will be another time where you'll get to play. Right. If you think that you've got, you'll never play again, and so you need to be in every fucking thing. Hmm. Two, it's amazing what you will learn if you sit on the sidelines and watch, and just watch, and not judge yourself about why am I not out there because that's that that's a young man's bullshit. But just to sit and 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 to watch people make decisions and choices. Um, I love watching people who are great improvisers. I love being on the sidelines and thinking, that person just did a fucking great move, and I'm so proud of them. I love wa I love watching in, nowadays in the sense that because to me most of what I want to do later in the piece is on stage. Like if I'm on the side, which isn't so often nowadays. Like, if, but if I'm on the side, I'm just like, all right, 
and I'm listening because like they're going to leave an opportunity. They're going to leave something out there, a character mentioned or a location or a point in a story that we need to get to. They're, they're going to leave something out there that if I can remember it, right, that's going to be a, a great move later on. Uh, and that's something I learned to not think so much on the sidelines. It's mm-hmm. like I used to think on the sidelines mm-hmm. where I'm like, no, there are more gifts on stage because uh, the piece is happening on stage. So I, I should I should be in tune with that as well. Got it. I got it. And it, and uh, and what you're saying there, which I think is really cool, is the idea of taking inventory of watching what it is that's that's going on and just going, oh, I can use that. I can use that. I can use that. I can use that. Like like really listening to everything because again, when you're going back in your head and that noise that you have in your head, that noise that of the of the thinking of the chatter of the being four steps ahead of yourself, you're missing all that inventory that's coming at you in that moment. Right. And again, you train your, 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 your reaction, what, what your brain will give you. My brain, and it's funny because my conscious mind, I just feel at times like sort of, wow, my brain gave me that. I didn't think of it. Like when my brain gives me a callback that I don't even realize, oh, that's a callback. But <laughs> I, I wasn't thinking I needed to do a callback. My brain just offered it to me because it's done so many pieces that it's just like, it's about time for a fucking callback. Right. So here you go. Right. And I'm like, thanks, brain. Oh yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Where you're in a scene with somebody later on in the you're, later on you're in a scene with somebody doing a multiple a lot of scenes, and you're in a scene with somebody later on, you realize, oh, I'm the guy from the first scene that we mentioned off stage, and I'm that guy right now. How did that happen? Like, thanks, brain. Right, exactly. <laughs> How did that happen? And and then to be in a, to be playing with people because uh, Heather and Campbell is just so good at this. Where it's like to be playing with people who are catching everything you're throwing at them yeah. and holding on to it and going, oh, okay, all right, you got me. You, you I'm not like you got me, you stabbed me, but you got me. Like y- 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 I'm in good hands here. All right, that that was cracking up about the. Cause I remember thinking this like when you're starting out among the stupid things I thought. Where like there'd be a misspeak or something like that on stage, uh, and I remember thinking, well, the audience probably didn't catch that uh, because they're not improvisers. I'm an, I'm a I'm a trained improviser. I caught that. I'm sure the audience missed it because all they're doing is watching, trying to find things to fucking laugh at, without distraction of actually having to fucking do this. So the audience doesn't miss anything uh and that's why i never let anything slide by it's like i know i know i see people do it it's like yeah he misspoke but i i, I didn't want to call attention to it it's like if you don't the audience goes did you did you, know, did you hear what he said he mm-hmm. said that wrong thing it's like okay i guess you don't okay i think that as a teacher uh, as a teacher uh what i love is to sit back and to train my brain to look at things and to listen to things and hold on to things in that way so that when i'm on stage i am working on that fucking level I'm working on that level where I'm going. Oh, that 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 happened. They moved there. They walked over there. They said that. They they did that. Um, because everything is fodder. And if you start judging things or going into your head saying, "Why am I not in more scenes?" or things like that, you're going. That's the fucking opposite of what you have to do. That's the opposite. It's like I, I never. Well, again, I love almost exclusively what I do nowadays is two person. And once you do two person, to me, two person is like improv crack. I mean, you do two person, you get to do everything, and you're never. I mean, it changes because you can't really. There's not a lot of time to think at all. Right. Uh, so you have to. It's a great right. training for sort of forcing yourself to go with the next thing. Uh, but then when you get into a group, it feels like you're sitting on your fucking hands. I was just like, God damn it! I have so many ideas I could do right now, but I gotta sit on my hands. Did you just did the Orange County Improv Festival? Right? Yeah. Did you play with a big group? No, me and Heather. It was just you and Heather, but you didn't do a jam later on or anything like that. No. Uh huh. Okay. Because I did a, I did an improv fest where I did it where I did um, I taught and then I do the two hander and then I did a jam and it's like oh, I'm not having fun at all. This is not fun at all. It was funny. I, I taught a class the next day at the Orange County Improv Festival and they had like 26 people show up for this class and I hadn't done it in a while. I'm like I'm gonna see if I can do this. So I had everyone go up on stage just do a quick. 30 seconds to a minute scene for me just to see whatever where everyone's at before I start and get some examples that I can then teach off of but what I did was go up on stage tell me your first name went through the whole class they all did that uh, and basically what I was practicing was that's his name that's her name that's his name that's her name uh, while I'm watching the scene and at the end I was I was like I can still do it like I just went to I went through the whole class, named them all. I did it again at the end of class. It's like, I know all your fucking names. Right. <laughs> right. And right. I, I always told students, like, if you have a teacher who doesn't 
know your name, it's because they didn't bother to learn it. Well, there's a guy who didn't who I worked with for a year and a half. Fucking never knew my name. Dell never knew my fucking name. <laughs> never knew my name. Sometimes I think Dell knew certain knew some people's names and just didn't want to fucking. Dell knew me the as the guy knew. with the big nose. I know that to be true because he because uh, I I told Sharn I said Sharn I got some pot uh, let's get high back in the day. That's a good way to get to Dell a millionaire. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so uh, Sharn I walked up to Dell and I was listening to it and and Sharn says I got some pot. We got some pot, and Dell says, "Who's got pot?" And she goes, "Dave Rosowski." He goes, "Who?" Because Dave Rosowski. Like, I don't know who that is. It's like Dell. He's been your student for a year. I was like, I don't know who that is. And she went, "Dave Rosowski." He was in the scene, and then he did the thing where he put his hand over his face and made a big nose, and it went, "Oh, that guy." It's like you fucker. I was your student for two years, you fucker, and you didn't know my name. But here's another thing. It didn't. If I I knew that about him, I knew right. he was like that. I knew that that was it, but I, and I got more out of that than uh, I wasn't looking for. A, I wasn't looking for uh, a mentor at that time. I was just looking like but, you. I have no. And idea you were way back. I mean, to me, it's funny. I say way back. You're probably a few years. Four 83, years. 84, All right, 84, 85. So you were. Cause I started taking classes at the players' workshop in '87, mm-hmm. right? But then I broke my legs. Uh, but so I mean, it's like. To me, it's like, yeah, way back. So four years. Four years from that, right. Yeah, four right, years earlier. Right. But when we look the, at that. In the long ago. But 87, if you look at 87, that's 30 fucking years ago. You know, that's 29 years ago. Yeah. And to go, that's a long fucking time ago. And to look, think about all the stuff that's come down the pipe and all the work that we've done and all the theater that we've done and, and, and to watch this thing change as it keeps going on and, and again, to just keep breaking off and deconstruct and all these other things are happening. And you've got the pack theater now, which is your space doing things your way. And we mentioned it earlier, but it's like, this is what you had to do. You had to do that. I didn't. I didn't have to do that. I wasn't even looking to do that. Really, I just. I, we could have. When I said that. how to do that, I didn't mean financially having to do that. I meant you were compelled to do that. I, I happened to do that. It really wasn't like I'm going to start a theater. I have an idea for a theater. Uh, I still, to me, the, 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 the pack theater, which I love, is more everyone else. I mean, it's part me, but it's part everyone else. Uh, if you, because I, I wouldn't say yes. Yeah, here's my vision for the pack theater. It's like, well, if, if you want our vision, ask everybody. Because it's all different, uh, but I, I didn't. I just started it because, like, well, we, I, I started teaching classes because I needed money. Right. And then you get a few more classes, and you ask someone else to teach because, hey, it'd be, it'd be good, good if you taught this. And you're trying to help friends out and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, you got six teachers, and you have six was, teachers. Uh, currently, yeah. Wow, nice. And we have two programs: a sketch program and an improv program. We're about to take over the uh, the theater we've been leasing in July. Currently, we have shows Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. And mid-July, we're going to take the theater outright 24-7 and put up shows every night of the week. Oh, that's so great. Uh, it's going to be... We'll see. Well... It's, it's, it's one more step forward. It's uh, one more step forward, yeah. In, yeah. In, the, in, in the walk of who knows what the fuck it is. It's one more step forward. I enjoy it. I, mean, it's, it's, I enjoy that. I, I enjoy that like people like give me, to me, more credit than I deserve for what goes on there. Because I'm just like, look... It like, we've got some brilliant, like, everyone there is fucking brilliant. You know, Brian O'Connell's brilliant. Emily Candini's brilliant. Uh, Heather Ann Campbell and Cheek and Cheek, she's fucking brilliant. Eric, Eric Moneypenny is like a sketch savant. Uh, Sam Brown's fucking brilliant. Like, they're all just, uh, and now we, uh, lastly, sorry, on the core teachers, uh, Timmy Mays is going to start teaching there. And I, I think he's fucking brilliant. And now I've got other teachers like who want to teach electives and shit, like Paul Valancourt, oh, Nick right, Armstrong. Right, 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 right. Uh, oh, that's the right. Nick is, is teaching a class too. Yeah, we had a kid named Zach Zucker teaching a clowning class. And to me, it's like I don't know shit about clowning. I'm just like, it sounds interesting. It sounds I, I like. You definitely put a lot of work into this. People are seeming to dig it, and it's helping their work. So yeah, put it up. I like the idea of anything with a package. It's inclusive. It's like we're not trying to be like Here, here's how we're different. It's like no, we're we're different, but we're also we're everything. Uh, like I would say, like I hired Emily Candini. Uh, or I got her to start teaching. Say I hired her. Like I, like I have a building somewhere. Uh, <laughs> but mainly, I wanted like the annoyance point of view represented. I thought I think like mixed training and that sort of empower yourself at any moment is a great way to learn freedom as an improviser. And I wanted, even though she and I disagree on a couple of things, significant things. Uh, 
I'm like, I don't care. She's she's a fucking powerhouse player, and she's a great teacher, and I like that point of view. I want it in my theater. Right. I don't want it somewhere else. I want it, if you want this, come here. So you'll get this, and then you'll get the opposite. Right. Huh. Let's stop there. <laughs> that was really good. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I had a blast talking to Miles. That was great. It's great to share experiences with folks who we share experiences with. Well, there's a Rosaski sentence, if there was one. Uh, the record offer still stands, by the way, Miles. Oh, and uh, folks, don't forget to wait until the end of this podcast for a fine reading of a section of one of life's finest poems read by, well, our guest. <laughs> Here's a list of my workshops, details at davidwazowski.com. As always, I'll be at our Hollywood drop-in when I'm in L.A., interested in what I teach, AK Studios, Wednesdays 4 to 7. April 23rd and 24th, I'll be teaching a Viewpoints workshop in D.C. at the D.C. Improv. May 13th through the 15th, I'll be in San Francisco at the Pan Theater for one night, two days, and a guided show with Dave Rosaski. ADD Comedy with Jay Rosaski is produced by Laura Parker and me. Like our show? Give us uh, some love on iTunes, won't you? Send questions and comments to Dave at ADDcomedy.com. Thanks, and we'll hear you in our ears. Listen to this one. Best. All right, here we go. Uh, just kind of, we're talking, and you're talking, and you're I'm talking. I'm talking. This is Miles Strauss talking. Right. That's right. what I sound like. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'll let you know. Keep talking. <coughs> Keep talking, though. Keep talking. Keep talking. Twas Brillig and the Slithy Tove did Geyer and Gimble in the wave. Right. All mimsy were the Bora Groves and the Mumrath's outgrave. Beware the Jabberwock, my son, the jaws that bite, the claws that catch. Beware the Jubjub bird and shun the frumious bandersnatch. He took his torpal sword in hand, long time the manxome foe he sought. So came he to the tum-tum tree to rest awhile in thought. And as in uffish thought he stood, the Jabberwock, with eyes of flame, came whiffling through the tuggly wood and burbled as it came. One, two, one, two.